Welcome to the Jesuit Schools Network Ignatian Inquiry Podcast. The JSN seeks to be a supportive resource to our member schools, and this podcast is designed to be just that, a carved out space to listen, learn, and engage with issues that matter to our collective work as Ignatian educators. We're eager to encourage a spirit of inquiry across the many layers of our work in Jesuit education. We envision our particular brand of Ignatian inquiry to be the art of inquiry as seen through our Ignatian lens, asking questions and exploring issues that matter in our schools through the frame of our shared Jesuit mission. On today's episode, we will speak with Dr. Tara Caputo, who serves as the director of the Center for Ignatian Pedagogy at St. Ignatius High School in Cleveland, Ohio, an institutional action research center that studies the cognitive, affective, and behavioral growth and wellness of adolescent boys. She will share with us about the evolution of the school's commitment to this innovative center that is unique in a secondary setting and seeks to explore the intersection of research and faith with student voices at the heart of the work. We will learn about the center's intentional balance of innovation and Jesuit tradition and what institutional support of Ignatian pedagogy looks like in teaching and learning at Ignatius. In addition to serving as the director for the Center for Ignatian Pedagogy, Dr. Tara Caputo has also served as the professional development chair and English department chair for St. Ignatius and founded the school's robust peer tutoring program. Before coming to St. Ignatius, she served as the director of writing and coordinated faculty development at Allegheny College. She completed her MA and PhD in English at the University of Miami, where she held fellowships with the College of Arts and Sciences and in the composition program. She earned an MS in educational leadership and a Catholic school leadership certificate from Creighton University. Along with her current work at St. Ignatius High School, Dr. Caputo serves as an adjunct faculty member in the Seminars in Ignatian Leadership Program for the Jesuit Schools Network, is a member of the JSN Inquiry Advisory Board, and served as a member of the Global Task Force on Contemporary Jesuit Education for the Society of Jesus. She has received the Demler Award for Innovative Teaching from Allegheny College, the Lavelle Award for Teaching Excellence from St. Ignatius High School, and the YWCA Distinguished Woman Award for the City of Cleveland. She was recently awarded the Outstanding Graduate Student Award from Creighton University. Dr. Kristen Ross Cully, JSN's Director of Inquiry and New Ventures, joins us for this conversation on such an important topic. Dr. Caputo and Dr. Cully, welcome to the podcast. How is everyone doing today? Great, Kristen. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here today. I'm doing well too, Kristen. Thank you for that introduction. And Tara, I'm really uh, excited to learn from you today and to hear all about your work. Uh, how are things going in Cleveland? Here we are to uh, to February into Lent. Yes, we are happily embracing some sunshine here in Cleveland. Things are really, really good. Um, lots of sickness going around, as I'm sure is the case in many schools, but um, a lot of energy too with the crazy weather. So, you know, life feels good with that sunshine on our backs. I know you got to get it while you can. Isn't it wild though? You get to February in schools and I feel like people start thinking about the end of the year. You know, it's still so long away, but you start making plans for it. And so there's a little bit of hope on the on the horizon there, right? In the midst of such busyness. 
Absolutely. Yeah. We're scheduling for next year. All, all the buzz is what's happening in 2024, 2025, which is so wild to think about this early in the year, but um, it will come around the corner so fast. I know that year 24, 25, it, that feels like it's futuristic, like well, <laughs> well into the future, you know, but here we are. So I am, you know, as I said, I'm, I'm really excited to talk about today an institutional action research center at the Jesuit secondary level. It's a remarkable thing. So why don't we start, just tell us a little bit about the Center for Ignatian Pedagogy at Ignatius and, and how did it come to be? Sure. So the center, you know, it really developed out of what I would say was a really mission-centered and pretty visionary process and that it was really a strategic planning process that our president was careful to be patient with and slow with. And um, he's carefully selected leaders who were able to be really discerning through that process and, and kind of really look for it to be spirit led. So the project was initially, I would say, the brainchild of Dr. Karen Nestor, who was one of our emeritus board members. Um, and Patrick Gallagher, who serves as our AP for faculty formation. The two of them served as co-chairs for our academic formation subgroup in the strategic planning process. And they were just really instrumental in seeing the ways that we could deepen our engagement with research on teaching and learning. Um, and I think they really envisioned that if we did that, it could elevate the academic profile of the school. So we spent a lot of time in that group taking you know, a deep dive into the research, and we found a, a lot of consolation and inspiration, particularly in the research coming from mind-brain education science. And at that time, we had developed a strong partnership with Stanford's Challenge Success Program. Um, we had visited very forward-thinking schools like St. Andrew's School in Maryland. Some of you may know the work of Glenn Whitman and Ian Kelleher. They had built the NeuroTeach program. Um, and, you know, we really found that schools had seen a lot of headway in elevating their pedagogy when they leaned into the research. So, you know, we embraced that. We, we took a hard look at that. And at the end, we really felt called to explore how could we harness that world of research in ways that would help us elevate our teaching and learning. So coming out of that, I think, but pretty long strategic planning process, which was ironically right in the middle of COVID. Maybe it was a good thing that it happened during COVID because it, it gave us time and space to really sit in our thoughts. But we felt really strongly that embracing a research mindset would be critical for us if we wanted to move forward, if we wanted to innovate, and if we wanted to really be more intentional about meeting the needs of our guys. You know, you think about a strategic planning process for a community, you know, that's such a such a huge endeavor, of course, and to view this center for Ignatian pedagogy as a really practical outcome of that strategic planning process, it's remarkable, you know, when you think about it. And that's an interesting starting point for us to think about the vision that's in there, of course, as you said, entirely mission-centered after thoughtful and careful discernment. I mean, it's really a wonderful, wonderful testament to the commitment of the Ignatian community. I like that story. I like that as the, the starting point of all of the work that you're doing. When you think about Ignatian pedagogy, so if you were to explain that to someone who's not familiar with Jesuit education. Of course, knowing that most of our listeners here to our podcast are folks that are kind of in and around our world of schools. But let's say we were, someone was listening to this that, that doesn't know what Ignatian pedagogy is or they're not familiar with it. How, how would you explain it to that person? Sure. Yeah. You know, ironically, I think on the surface, 
and I think many of our teachers think this way too, on the surface, Ignatian pedagogy looks a lot like what many might recognize as basic good teaching. You know, and I think sometimes we get stuck there and, you know, we'll talk about, well, these are the movements of the Ignatian pedagogical paradigm. And um, we hear people say, well, yeah, that's what good teaching is, of course. And, and we kind of leave it at that. And I think we miss out on capturing the real richness of Ignatian pedagogy when we see it that way. But I also think it's true. It's good teaching. You know, it's meeting kids where they are. It's at its heart about really developing kids' expertise, their skills, their knowledge. It's about pushing them to learn more deeply. All of those principles are really at the core of what Jesuit pedagogy is about. But I think at its core, Ignatian pedagogy is also really about a spiritually infused deeper learning. You know, I love the book called Deeper Learning by Jal Mehta and Sarah Fine. They talk about the potential that emerges when you intersect mastery, identity, and creativity. And I just think that's really cool. Um, and they, they think that authentic deep learning is about initially developing mastery, but then it's about empowering students to have some ownership, some autonomy, some creativity for them to act, you know, that they see this matters and it empowers them to want to go and do something with that knowledge. And Ignatian pedagogy is a lot like that. Action is such a big part of what we teach in the IPP, but, but I think it's even more than that. You know, I think what makes Ignatian pedagogy really special is that it develops directly from Ignatian spirituality, which is ultimately about moving a person's spirit. So Ignatian pedagogy is about all of those pieces of good teaching but I think what makes it unique is that it really pushes us as teachers to think about how does our instruction push kids to evolve as whole people? And to do that, you kind of have to spark this deeper why that sits deep within them that isn't just about the brain. You know, I think our awareness and commitment to serving something bigger than ourselves is what animates what we do as teachers, but I think it's also what drives real authentic student learning. And what I love about Ignatian pedagogy is that it really recognizes and creates space for that. I think that's kind of the spiritual undergirding that that has the potential to really make Jesuit education unique and reach kids that may not be reached in other educational contexts. And I think sometimes we we kind of know that, right? But we aren't as explicit about it as we could be. And I, I think that's a really critical piece of what separates a Jesuit school, particularly when the Jesuit school is intentional about reaching that that inner piece of a kid that really motivates him to want to make a difference in the world. You know, I love listening to that beautiful description. It reminds me so much of you know, many years ago when I was a first year teacher in our schools, you know, over 25 years ago or however long and just trying in my own way, navigating a new community, like figuring out what is so special about this place, you know, that that we work in and the ways that we work with students and that description that you just offered. It reminds me of that. It reminds me at the heart of what I really value and appreciate about the work that we do with kids, about what is so special about Jesuit education. I appreciate the way you say creating space for spiritually infused deeper learning. I like that creating space for spiritually infused deeper learning. I think there's a lot of that that resonates with just the, the work that teachers and counselors and leaders and support staff and everyone in our schools do every day with kids, that idea of evolving whole people. It, that was, it was, it's very well said. So I appreciate that. When you think about the future 
of Ignatian pedagogy. So all this work that you're doing, you know, that you're wrestling with, like, what do you imagine it can be? What What's coming next? What's coming down the line when it comes to Ignatian pedagogy? Oh, gosh, this is such a great question. If I had a crystal ball, right? You know, I personally, and I'm, I've drank the Kool-Aid. I, I came to Jesuit education from secular institutions, and I had had experience in public schools, but also in universities. And um, this was my first taste of teaching in a Catholic school. And like you said, it took me a while to really figure out what did it mean to teach to mission? What was the secret sauce? But now that I've lived it for a while and kind of learned from iterative experience, you kind of go deeper at each phase in this world as an educator in Jesuit education. For me, I just see so much potential, I think untapped potential in the future for Ignatian pedagogy and teaching. And I think Johnny Go and Rita Atienza's book, Learning by Refraction, is a really great first step toward this. I see signs of science of teaching and learning in that book that I think are really critical for us um, as we move forward in our schools. We've really, at St. Ignatius, we really focused on professional learning and research agendas that put Ignatian pedagogy in conversation with what we're seeing emerging in the research around mind-brain education science. And we've really kind of doubled down on that particular area of the research because for me, it really aligns so well with the spirit of Cura Personalis. And what I love about MBE is the way it, it takes these three really important fields for teaching and learning. It takes education, psychology, and neuroscience, which for years had been talking past each other, and puts them in conversation so that they're informing and enriching one another. And if we pay attention to that, what it really pushes us to notice is how interconnected all of these aspects of students' really complex learning processes are. You know, it reminds us how critical emotions, stress, well-being are to student learning and how significantly they impact the ways that students' brains function. Um, And I think we can't ignore that, right? You know, neuroscience will tell us that every single human brain is unique. Every single one of us has our own set of neural pathways that have been forged by our myriad and countless unique experiences and contexts. And I think that is so cool. And I think that's really critical for how we think about context in Jesuit education. It's it's so critical to thinking about how we meet kids where they are. And at Ignatius, we've been really energized to see how much of the research from MBE aligns with and really kind of validates the core values that we've always known are so important in Jesuit schools. I think in Jesuit schools, we're big on tradition. um, And I think we're right to be that way. I think we have an incredibly rich tradition that, you know, if we honor it and bring it to bear authentically in our practice has really powerful implications for the way that we teach for the way that we meet kids where they are. And I think that MBE only enlivens that, which is kind of a cool thing. So I think Jesuit schools have a good deal to add, though, to the conversation. I think the research isn't the end-all, be-all. If you look at mind-brain education, they're really not thinking about that spiritual component of how a person grows and develops. And I think we're really great at that in Jesuit schools. that's, That's front and center. The spiritual development of the young people that we serve is at the center of all that we do. You know, this year we had a visiting scholar, Patrick Manning at St. Ignatius, helping us think about how certain kinds of prayer practices impact things like attention and engagement, you know, things that instructionally we know are super important. 
and prayer life in our school is such a critical piece of the puzzle. And the research world, from a scientific perspective, hasn't really tapped into that. So when I think about relensing Jesuit education, I think about how are we putting those two worlds in conversation so that they're enlightening one another, they're lighting one another up. I think that they they serve as really interesting overlays to one another and kind of make one another better. So I think that in the future, if we can pay more attention to the fusion between those two worlds, it's going to give us more concrete footing in thinking about how do we implement the IPP in more effective ways in our own classrooms. Yeah, this balance of research and faith and innovation and tradition or history, as you said, and I I like the way that you describe it as lighting one another up. Also, as I listen to you, you know, maybe to take a step back on a little bit of a a, perhaps a tangent, but I think a related one, like I listened to to all that you're sharing and the work that you do. And when you say, you know, Ignatius was your first experience in a Catholic education and how you've kind of discovered something that connects so fully to who you are as an educator. You know, I, I feel the same. I also was not prior to working in Jesuit schools. I wasn't Jesuit educated myself. And I was lucky enough to stumble upon something that just struck such a deep chord with everything that I believe in in education, you know, and and over the years being able to test and play around with what works with kids and, and what doesn't and what is the special piece of it. I mean, there's something really wonderful there, as you describe, like we, we talk so much about formation of kids and of students that we work with, but there's a huge layer of our work that is formation of adults as well and developing mission amongst the adults. And, and you and I, I think, are probably representative of that. You know, I mean, isn't that aren't, aren't we lucky in that way to, to get to do this type of work that speaks to who we are as people and, and makes us grow and lights us up in terms of our own role as educators? Absolutely. I couldn't agree more with that. That was so well said. Um, so when we when we think about, like, I, I love the idea of research-based instruction. Folks are so hungry for, for data and research and making sure we're not moving schools and making decisions based on anecdotes and all of that. But what does it really look like? Like, what does research-based instruction look like in a classroom, a real live classroom at Ignatius? Can you describe that? Sure. Yeah. And I think the answer to that probably depends who you ask. (laughs) I would hope for a really flexible definition of that. And I think that's what I want to empower my colleagues to see is that every single day when they show up as instructors, even if they're not intending it to be this way, if they're if they're taking a hard look at what their students are learning and how they're progressing and they're making decisions based on that, they're really being researcher practitioners. You know, every day we get data from our kids at every level. The looks on their faces when we deliver a mini lecture, the the comments out the door, the exit tickets, the the application and an assignment down the road. Like we are constantly getting data from our kids and I think if we're doing a good job, we're making good decisions based on that data that we're getting. So, you know, I think research-based instruction can manifest on lots of different levels, depending on how the teacher thinks of themselves as a practitioner. I think many in our community are already constantly reading, learning, studying their craft on their own. And I think that's a form of continued growth that qualifies as research because it stems from an inquiry mindset and it stems from a mindset of growth. And I think that's also at the heart of research practices. You know, I would even say that observing your colleagues and learning from that is a form of research. You go out, you look at what others are doing, you learn from that, you apply it in your own context. 
that in and of itself, I think, qualifies. But with the opening of the center, we've also been able to invite teachers to really collaborate. What I love is to identify specific problems of practice that they want to work together to tackle. So we're looking to the research as a guide to say, hey, what are some of the key questions that we really hope to answer? But we're also looking at what are the day-to-day challenges that we encounter in motivating kids to show up in the ways that we know will really enrich their learning. And so I think there's something really special about starting with practice and again, empowering teachers to say, hey, these are some problems that we want to work together to solve. So we have a team of research fellows that develop their action research studies out of those problems of practice. And over time, they function a lot like a PLC would. They develop a research protocol, they submit it to an IRB. But then as they're implementing that treatment or strategy in their courses, they're collaborating, they're meeting, they're talking about their data, they're reflecting, they're making decisions about what to do next. So they really are authentic teachers as researchers in practice. Um, We've chosen to use an action research model because it's so much like the IPP. It's really remarkable that the flow and kind of iterative quality of action research is really exactly what we're trying to do with IPP. And we found that those that marriage of those two worlds has helped us to inform the way we structure our work as as a research team. Um, We're currently working on conducting our data analysis for our first action research study, which is on retrieval practice. And the teachers who participated in that will present their findings later this month, that learning in the brain in San Francisco. And then we also have a team going to NCA in Pittsburgh later this spring. So part of our goal is to open up conversation across Catholic schools, across the MBE community to to kind of spark interest and spark greater conversation around, again, these problems of practice that I think we all encounter in our work and that we can work together to solve. I think the real fruits of the labor come when we have the chance to share findings within our own community. And I think teachers can be really skeptical in many ways of the research world. There's a gap between what we do in the classroom and what we perceive research to be. And it makes sense, right? the best research is the most controlled (laughs) and controlled variables are just not the reality for our classrooms. But I think one of our goals is to kind of bridge that gap and say, okay, so if we take a look at what researchers are telling us and we think of ourselves as researchers too, what happens when we test these things in our very real, very messy, very unpredictable contexts? So our big goal, I think, is to kind of bridge that gap from the, the ground. Well, and you're just embodying the, you know, the Jesuit ideal of lifelong learning. Like there's this perception, you know, as you said, of research. I think when people hear research, you think statistics, you think, you know, studies that go on a bookshelf somewhere and and it doesn't necessarily feel connected or real. But what you're doing with focusing on action research is you're really giving or opening, I guess, the conversation to real life teachers, real life students. You're making it feel so much a fabric of the part of just of the work that you do interacting with students and teachers. And I I find that to be really inspiring. You know, you're you're giving all of us a language for what it does mean to be a research practitioner. You know, what it flexible, visiting other classes, really paying attention to your students, you know, the things that so many of us we do, but maybe we don't have the language to view ourselves, the perception of ourselves as a teacher, as a as a researcher. So I I really appreciate that. And I also it it reminds me so much of much of the heart of the inquiry 
contemporary work of the Jesuit Schools Network. So there was a book that was really inspiring to me called Repositioning Educational Leadership, Practitioners from an Inquiry Stance. And it was out of the University of Pennsylvania. And if you think about that, practitioners leading from an inquiry stance, it's the idea of exactly what you're saying, that all of us in our classrooms, in our offices, whatever our roles might be, we have the opportunity to take an inquiry stance. And that means being curious about the world that surrounds us, talking about it, exploring it, being comfortable with the ambiguity and uncertainty. So I really, I that, that just resonates so deeply with, again, much of what I believe is special about Jesuit education, this focus of, of lifelong learning. So thank you for that. I also really value how you aim to put the student experience like at the at the center of the work, at the heart of it, you know, not just be a pie in the sky aspirational idea, but the, the kids are at the center of it, the boys in your case. So how do you how do you do that? What does it look like? Yeah. Um, you know, I hope some of our boys are listening to this. I plan to share it with them and I hope they'll share it with their families because I can honestly say we could not have done this if we didn't start with our students. They were really the start point for this. And I think they're the end point. They, they need to be the inspiration for it. And I hope the outcome is about serving them and changing their experience. But, you know, we in our first year last year it was a first year operating, but we hadn't implemented a study yet. So this is year two for us. It's the first year we're launching a study. Last year was very much an exploration of our own context. And we really wanted to take a close look at what was our student experience and what had been our teachers' experiences and where were they speaking the same language? Where did they have common needs and goals? And how could we learn from one another so that we could do better? And so we ironically did not involve the teachers in the conversation until I think January or February of that year. But the entire fall semester, I was meeting with students. So I had a, a pilot student researcher group composed of about 20 seniors and juniors who had completed our capstone program and were, were really strong leaders in our school community. And I met with them regularly and we would just sit and brainstorm and talk no filters on. Um, and we asked them, take off those filters. Tell us what's worked for you. What hasn't? What inspires you? What motivates you? What doesn't? What helps you learn? What inhibits learning? What makes you really care? What doesn't? And we let the students talk to each other and we cataloged that. We took notes on that. We studied it. We allowed them to have a really iterative process so that they could go deeper into their own thinking about their experiences. And over time, they as a group, it reminds me so much of the spiritual conversation model, right? You you dialogue, you listen, you really listen carefully to the movements in the room and you, you see something start to come to the center as a priority. And the boys really had that experience and they identified a few key issues that they really felt were the biggest priority for them. And I asked them at the end of it to say what they thought, if we changed, would make the biggest difference for them as students. So they came up with a couple of things and they pitched those ideas to a group of teachers who showed up to say, hey, we might want to participate in this. We might want to try some things out in our classroom. And we had something like 15 teachers show up to this presentation that the students gave. And the students pitched and said, here's what we think. Here's what we've learned. Um, here's what we've researched. 
we'd love to see teachers try this out. And then we had seven teachers across three different disciplines sign up to do something that the students had proposed. The students write the literature review for the project, and then they meet with the teacher team throughout the entire implementation process. So now that we've actually started the action research cycle, the students and the teachers meet at least every month to reflect, to ideate together. So the two groups are really essential to one another. They've been serving as mirrors for one another, as checks and balances for one another. And it's been so inspiring to see the shared humility in that experience, that there's an empowering of both groups, but there's a vulnerability in both groups. And it's that that I think has helped us to really move forward. And it's been such a reminder to me of how powerful student voices and how in tune students really are with what they need, you know. When we initially collected data, we sent out a survey to learn more about student engagement and we we ran a thematic analysis of it and the key takeaways aligned so perfectly with what the research will tell you is best practice. Like kids know what they need. So it was such a reminder to me that we need to listen to them more. But our students are now writing up their findings and working to publish them and share them. And we have two students coming with us to NCEA. So They'll actually be kicking off our presentation, which I think is very unusual. Um, we may be the only group that has high school students there, and we could not be more thrilled about it because their voice has been at the center of everything that we've done. It's so brave as a school to be open in that way to listening to kids. You know, talk about being a tolerance for ambiguity. There you go. You know, you don't, you never know how that's going to go. And it really is, it just speaks to, how you care for kids in your community, the way that you value students and listening to them. You know, I know that you have wonderfully talented students in your community and as an institution to really value them in that way, it, it speaks so highly for the all of the adults, you know, who are caring for the students there. Um, and that's remarkable. That's a remarkable thing to listen to um, and to, to really kind of admire. It does remind me so... This is such a unique program that you have. The center is so unique at the secondary level. You know, we believe it to be the first of its kind in our Jesuit schools. Who do you see as your, who are your peers out there? Like you mentioned, mentioned a few schools in the, in the introduction, but who, who do you look towards? Yeah, that's a great question too. And I think one of our goals in these first two years have been to identify learning partners and thinking partners that we can learn from and dialogue with and, and grow alongside. So I think initially we really looked to um, some of those other research centers and secondary schools. I know I mentioned St. Andrews. Um, we're really lucky to also have Laurel School in proximity to us. They're on the east side of Cleveland. And Dr. Lisa Damore has done a great job really developing a robust research program there. We found a lot of inspiration from them at, in our initial thinking process and in our initial planning process. It, you know, None of them were really doing exactly what we hoped to do in a Jesuit context. So we found ourselves looking to some of the university teaching and learning centers for models and potential partnerships. Um, you know, I think what they're doing at BC in the Lynch School is really incredible. Um, you know, we've had some interesting conversations with folks at SLU and Marquette, um, Loyola and Chicago. So, you know, those conversations have been so stimulating and 
and helping us to see where our students are going and the kinds of questions that are pervading the landscape in higher ed. But I would say that we ideally, we'd love to develop a group of like-minded colleagues across the network. You know, like we would love to collaborate with teachers in other JSN schools or teachers in other schools in the Diocese of Cleveland who want to do this kind of work, who want to collaborate and research and face some of these bigger questions facing education together. For me, that would be an ideal next step or even something to look to down the road. I think developing a peer group will make all of us better. So definitely that's on my radar, something we're still looking to develop and we're looking for the next steps for that. Yeah. And I hope that some of the listeners, you know, that are hopefully appreciating this conversation, that that might be one of the things that they think about in terms of reaching out to you for that type of connection across the network. Wouldn't that be amazing, you know, in five years time to look back and think what could come of this? You know, the teachers at Ignatius who are really enlivening, you know, this work through all of their their teaching and their focus on, on student learning, like, how do you see these conversations as like sparking greater depth than the mission that they support? It might be kind of a vague question, but I, I like that concept of sparking greater depth in the mission through this focus on teaching and learning. Does that does that resonate? Yeah, you know, it really does. And I think my goal would be for this to trickle and kind of permeate the life of the school to the extent that it becomes, we have a new school culture over time and one that is hearts ablaze on fire for mission and also hearts ablaze on fire for teaching and learning from a research context. And we've seen that happen in small doses. You know, if you've participated in the seminars, if you're listening in and you're thinking, I know this term diffusion of innovation, I am such a fan of that notion. I think it's so true that that things will spark in small stages, but over time you hope to reach the greater majority and you hope that folks in your institution start to see the value of the work. And so I think the more people that are involved in projects, and we hope to have as many people involved over time as possible, but the more people who have the chance to experience this, the more appreciation I think teachers will have for the value of their work and the purpose of their work. We are so blessed in our schools to be in communities of teachers who love kids, who I think deeply care about our mission. You know, but I think about myself as a first year teacher in a school that I didn't really understand. You know, I didn't understand what Ignatian spirituality was at that phase in my career. And I think about all of the phases of reflection and self-examination that I've gone through just through the experience of being in a school where people around me are pushing and asking questions. And I think about how better positioned I am, I hope, to serve my students now because of being pushed by the people around me. And I think anytime you invite teachers to say, let's ask questions, let's work together to make things better, for me, that commitment becomes even stronger. You know, the why is is even stronger, but you also feel like, wow, the work I'm doing can really make a difference. We can actually make a change. I think the greatest danger for an educator in any role is getting to that point of complacency when you think the mountain's too high to climb and you think, oh, geez, you know, this is just the way things are. You know, the challenges facing kids are too much. My impacts are limited. And I know from the research and I know so many of us know from our own experience, the impact that one educator can have on the trajectory for so many kids. And I've found that that's true in not only the scholarship, but it's true in experience. So teachers that have the opportunity to come to the table and see 
that the choices they make and the strategies they implement and the reflection time that they devote to their craft, it really does make a difference for kids. That is such a generative process and that can only build that snowball of enthusiasm for the mission and and the why behind why we're there. So I'm hoping to see that continue to grow. I've already seen signs of it and the teachers that have shown up to do the work. And I think it's always there in a place where teachers really love kids and really love the school. This just gives us a platform and a pathway to encourage that even more. Well, and that's why your work, I think, connects so much to all different educators, you know, kinds of educators new to our community, new to teaching, experienced in teaching, experienced in our community, you know, all of it. If I had to say one thing that I really value about Jesuit education, it is exactly that. It's the idea that like, I always have something to learn. It doesn't matter how long I've been doing this or how how comfortable I am in a, in a community or with my subject matter, whatever it might be. There's always something that I can learn. And I think your work really paints that picture colorfully, you know, to be able to feel as an experienced educator who's kind of done it for a long time, like there's still really room for my own growth that I was going to ask you, what are, what are some key takeaways? Um, but I think as you describe it, that, that probably is, if I was a JSN school listening to this conversation, that might be one of the, the key takeaways that I might have for inspiration or motivation. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that completely. That's been a huge takeaway for me is that it never stops. Um, the most humbling but inspiring part of this whole experience has been what a gift to sit in and listen to students and teachers talk about their craft and their own growth and to have common goals. It it really is truly inspiring. I know that seems kind of cheesy maybe to say, but it, wow, it, it lights me up. It, it gives me hope. It, it gives me a ton of energy for the work. And I think just this deepening respect for the importance and wisdom of student voice, like the kids really get it. They know themselves, they know each other. And I think the more we can see ourselves as partners in their learning, walking alongside them, I think the better off we'll all be. You know, and that too, we taught, like we began this conversation talking about February and Lent and, you know, all that is to come between now and the end of the year. And that I think is something to hold on to, you know, teachers and students and everyone, you get tired, you get busy. There's so many pressures. There's so many things to do, but that at the end of the day is something to really hold space for, I guess would be probably the right, the right way to say it. When you think about Tara, and I have to be mindful because I could kind of like go on and on. This podcast could be hours and hours because <laughs> I really enjoy listening to you and listening to the work that you do. Um, but probably one of the, the good places to conclude would be like, what, what comes next for you? What are, what are your hopes for how Jesuit educators can build on the work that you are doing there at Ignatius? Yeah, I think just on an individual level, I think for anyone listening, I would hope that the conversation here is an invitation. Take a close look at your practice. You know, I think one of the greatest things that we can create for ourselves, despite the busyness of the day, when it seems so hard, you think I can't carve out 10 minutes for myself to go to the bathroom, much less really sit and on my practice. But the more that we can really sit with, how did that go? What can I do differently? Um, and really being willing to look at our practice in the context of what our colleagues are doing, I think it pushes us forward. And I think that's what inspires me because I see my colleagues doing that all the time. My hopes would be for the conversation here to grow. I would love, 
I would love to connect with other educators in the network who are interested in asking similar questions. Um, I'd love to collaborate with other schools. Um, I'd love to see folks contribute to our, we have an online forum and journal that we host through the Center for Ignatian Pedagogy. And we're currently soliciting manuscripts for our first edition, which will come out later this spring. Um, The theme is around rigor, which you know, Kristen, you and the JSN have done such a wonderful job of initiating that conversation in such rich ways already. So we're really hoping to build on that work in, in some small way. But, you know, I think the biggest hope for me would be, regardless of whether your school is interested in developing an action research center, you know, that might not be in the cards for you. It might not be a priority. Whatever your school's priority is, how can we or how can you incorporate students more intentionally into that process? Because I think no matter what your goal is as a school, no matter what you hope to improve, what I've learned is the value of putting students at the center of that. I, I keep coming back to that. I know I've said that so many times, but I think that's where that's where the secret sauce is. Um, and I'd love to see that conversation grow on so many levels. No, I think that's, I mean, that's the invitation for, a closer look at practice with kids at the heart of it. I mean, let's see what we can do with it. I, I would encourage folks who are listening in on this conversation to reach out to us. Let's figure out what what can come next. You know, this idea that one of the schools in our network was visionary in their approach to being mission-centered through their strategic planning, you know, and here you are building on this conversation around the richness of Ignatian pedagogy, it's a motivating call, I think, for all of us. And the JSN is really interested in focusing on solid and practical resources for schools around good teaching and learning. So let's let's have this conversation be the starting point and, and figure out what comes next. I think that's probably our, our biggest challenge there. I love it. Challenge and opportunity. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So thank you so much, Tara. You have, and the work that you do and the, the work that you're, all of the teachers do at Ignatius, it's, it is motivating to say the least. So thank you for all the time that you have spent with us here. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It has been such a gift to, to have the conversation and, and to engage with you. I always love our conversations. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Ignatian Inquiry podcast. Dr. Tara Caputo's contact information can be found on JSN's website at www.jesuitschoolsnetwork.org slash Ignatian inquiry podcast. The Ignatian Inquiry podcast is hosted by Dr. Kristen Ross Cully. This episode was recorded, edited, and produced by Kristen Smith and directed by Dr. Kristen Ross Cully. To learn more about the Jesuit Schools Network, please visit www.jesuitschoolsnetwork.org. Stay curious and set the world on fire.